We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the show, IB Nation Sports Talk with Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers. Thank the uh, thanks to the live crowd for hanging on patiently as we work through some technical stuff in the background. But we got it going. How are you tonight, Jess? Uh, I'm doing well. We had a chili cook-off at work. Sampled a little chili. I didn't make any chili this year. I tried making some last year. Uh, didn't go well. So I sat this year out. I'm hoping to uh, maybe be back next year. But uh, it was a ton of fun. And we did it for like a, a charity event. So pretty cool. Did uh, was there was there like a contest? Did anybody win? How did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had um, we had uh, like uh, we invited people that we work with companies and vendors and stuff. And they they take they did like a blind taste test. And so there was okay. like a winner. Um, and the winner got like a $50 gift card and like a chili cook-off trophy. So pretty cool. I take it you didn't win this one. No, I got last last year. I was thinking that you won one here recently at like someplace for some reason, but nope. I don't know. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's get right to it. A few thoughts from Marcus Freeman's Thursday Zoom call and some interesting stuff came out of it. We talked a little sign stealing we talked some quarterbacks it was it was fairly short and sweet actually he he went a little bit shorter than usual I don't know if that was intentional or not I don't know if he had a tight schedule or what but again we're going to jump right into it he was asked whether or not he might go back to the transfer portal for a quarterback this offseason what the plans were for 2024 at quarterback and here is what the fighting average head coach had to say I think all options right now are in consideration. Um, that's something we said that we'll truly discuss the second bye week on, you know, what is going to be a decision moving forward. You know, I feel really good about the the future of our program um, at the quarterback position with the guys coming in, with the guys we have here. But you, you look at numbers too, right? Every, every, most rosters have four quarterbacks on scholarship, which um, we lost when um, Tyler left. You know, and so we've been in discussions on what we want to do. Do you want to take another quarterback or do you not? You know, we have three quarterbacks on scholarship right now. So we'll make final probably decisions here as we get into the next bye week. But I am, again, I'm, 
I'm really pleased with the growth um, and confident with the growth and the performance of, of Kenny and Steve Angeli. So some interesting stuff there. And the fact that in two more weeks, when the next bye week is, he said that they expect to have their final decision made on what they're going to do with the future. So that's, you know, again, that's, that's not too far away. It's only a couple of weeks away. So what do you think of all that, Jess? Yeah, I think it's interesting that Marcus Freeman was um, willing to discuss it kind of this early in the season and then also being very uh, forthright with that. They're going to look at it during the bye week and hopefully come up with a decision. So I think that's a good thing uh, personally, because I think it gives you a plan of attack um, and you can go out there and and get someone in probably that early transfer portal uh, window rather than having to wait for the next transfer portal portal uh, window. And I think a couple things that uh, indicated that there is serious, you know, like that they are definitely considering it is, you know, he said all options are open. Um, And then he said that usually teams carry four, you know, four uh, scholarship quarterbacks and they currently sit at three. So based on everything that he said, um, it sounds like he would like another transfer portal quarterback just as some sort of security blanket. uh, Even though he said that, you know, he's pleased with the growth of the quarterbacks that they have now um, but there's nothing like game experience, and that's the thing. Notre Dame doesn't have any game experience quarterbacks on their quarterbacks on their roster, and I don't really count garbage time as experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I'm talking about games where you're calling actual experience, like yeah, Drew Pine, Drew Pine experience, basically. Yeah, where you're where you're thrown into the fire because the starter goes down, and you've got to be the guy for the rest of the year. That was actual experience that Drew Pine had. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will be maybe frustrated that Notre Dame's going back to the portal. I don't find it as an issue either, just because I think they should go to the portal until they've basically established their quarterback development system. And I think they are well, in the process but of that. When do, you, when do you do that if you're not going to do it? Like, what? just like I said with, with Tyler Buckner after Jack Cohn left, did his graduate year, and then left. And there were people who were saying that last year, Notre Dame should have taken a, uh, a transfer portal quarterback. At some point, you're going to have to do one of two things. You're either going to have to play two quarterbacks, you know, play a veteran quarterback and a young quarterback. And most people obviously don't like this plan, play a young quarterback at meaningful times in the game, basically, a you know, some kind of platoon system between the two, either you're going to have to do that when you've got a veteran quarterback, or you're going to have to bite the bullet like they did with Tyler Buckner last year and just say, look, we think that this guy is our guy. We're going to go with this guy, even though he's young and inexperienced. Like at some point you can, you know, like to get that development system going, you can't just keep on going out and getting more transfer portal quarterbacks. You've got to be able to, to throw one of your own guys into the fire at some point and have a plan that it's going to work out with his progression and development. Yeah. I just think, unfortunately, when you're playing, when you're coaching at Notre Dame, uh, the expectations are very high every year, right? Like it's this year, I feel like people have already had their expectations um, not met or they're let down. And so I just don't feel like Notre Dame's a university where you can just bite the bullet and and throw a young quarterback into the fire because people are expecting to win. And if you are, you know, developing a quarterback on field, 
I just don't think it bodes well with continuous winning. And I think that's the that's the issue that Marcus Freeman is facing. But is, when when does an inexperienced quarterback get experienced? When he actually plays. That's my point. Like that can't always be the excuse. Well, he doesn't have any experience, so we've got to go with the more experienced guy. Like, when does the guy get experience if you're not going to give him something? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I, 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 that's it's a good question, but I just... <laughs> I just feel like Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame just it's not it's not worth the risk. And so going to the transfer portal as a security blanket is always going to be an option for them, because, again, I just don't think fans want to go through that development process on field with their quarterback. Well, you know, we've talked about it before with the schedule that they have next year. It is not nearly as difficult as this year's schedule unless some other teams emerge that we're, you know, don't know about. So it is a fairly forgiving schedule if you're going to be, you know, again, breaking in a young quarterback. So based on what he just said, they seem pretty confident in what they've got in the, you know, in that quarterback room right now. And in terms of the four quarterbacks where they really got stung in terms of having four scholarship quarterbacks, obviously, it was once Sam Hartman, once they told the quarterbacks that Sam Hartman was coming in drew pine obviously bolts right away and then tyler buckner stays and battles it out through the spring losing both of them is where the numbers really got off you know and so like if one of those guys would have stayed they would have four scholarship quarterbacks right now and you know you're going to lose sam hartman next year and all you've got on the roster right now is angeli and minchie you're going to bring in cj Carr next year but again now you're going to have Three young guys, talented as they may be to different degrees, still inexperienced. Vince floated this out yesterday when we were doing the mailbag show, the idea of going out and getting, you know, like a an Ivy League type guy who, you know, an Ivy League guy 
not on scholarship. They don't have scholarships in the Ivy League. Give give someone like that the opportunity to come in and not necessarily be the starter, but at least be some uh, like a veteran presence as well as a veteran with some experience if you needed to go to him at some point during the season. If something happened to one of your young guys, whoever the young guy might happen to be as a starter, what do you think of that prospect? Yeah, I think that's a potential good idea because, again, it, it's the, the transfer portal to me at Notre Dame is a form of security. If, if things aren't going well, you fall back on what you got in the transfer portal because you know what that's going to be. Um, I think that's a good idea as long as Minchin and Jelly are showing progression that, you know, that they can, they have the ability um, to play. But to me, if you're going to go to the portal, I think you just like the portal is the portal. I think once you've committed to it, you should just go for the best thing that's out there and, and who's willing to make that transfer to Notre Dame. And I think you brought up a good point. I think the Sam Hartman transfer really screwed up kind of that developmental cycle that they were going to get into because in an ideal world, Buckner would have learned from uh, Hartman this year and he would have been your full-time starter next year. Yeah. Problem solved. Right. Then you've got, then you've got more talented young guys behind him lined up. Like everything falls into place after that. But I really think the Buckner transfer is ultimately what has like killed or put a fork in the Notre Dame quarterback development. It's really a shame because I don't think he got any better at Alabama. He's, he's doing the exact same thing that he would be doing here at Notre Dame. And so, And I think he actually had a better opportunity because he would have been the starter next season. And now there's no guarantee what his future holds, no matter what, because Alabama doesn't want him. If they did, he would have been the starter this season. He's probably, if he really wants to play next year, he's probably going to have to transfer someplace else. Again. And no, I would not support him coming back to Notre Dame in that case. And I don't think, uh, you know, where the, the situation the room is in right now, I don't think they would want him back in that case because he's lost out on an opportunity to develop and show what he can do to this coaching staff or, you know, with this coaching staff. So I, I would not be in favor of that. Andre asks, who we think will be the next quarterback at Notre Dame? Do you think he's on the roster or a portal quarterback? I think a couple of different things. If, if there is some guy along the lines of, you know, Sam Hartman's experience, that kind of guy, I think it's going to be really tempting for them to go out and, you know, and there's interest, especially from the other side. I think it's going to be really tempting for them to go out and make, you know, do that dance all over again with a veteran I think this quarterback. Is, um, I think this is the last year they go to the portal. I think they're going to go one more year and then you'll have Minchie, Carr, in-house, and you'll have Deuce rolling in after that. I think I think they need one. I, to me, I think they need to go back one more year. And I think that's what they're going to end up doing. Personally, I think it's going to be between Minchie and Angeli. Uh, that's that's what I think as of right now. After hearing what Marcus Freeman had to say and kind of just, you know, looking at some of the stuff, you know, some other things that if you haven't uh seen the uh our message boards, go check it out. I'm not, you know, Brian doesn't want us to say anything specifically outside of the boards, but he had some good information there on the quarterback situation. So, go read that. The Champions Lounge. Good stuff to check out there. So on the subject of the quarterbacks, speaking of Sam Hartman, Marcus Freeman also discussed the impact that Hartman has had on the other two quarterbacks, Kenny Minchie and Steve Angeli this season. 
think the most important thing they benefited is their preparation. How they prepare throughout the week, outside of the time um, that's permitted through the NCAA rules, right? The four hours we get with them a day, you know, it's uh, the preparation in terms of watching film, a routine, a uh, pre-practice routine, a post-practice routine. That's the biggest uh, addition they've received from Sam Hartman, and, and they all do it, right? They're always together. They're always watching film together. They're always going through the routine together. And so that, to me, has been the biggest benefit. Benefit of the quarterback, what do you think? Um, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, to be honest with you. <laughs> Not 100% sure that he's had that big an impact. I mean, it's hard for us to say because we're not at practice. Yeah, we're not at practice. When was the last time we actually got to lay eyes on Steve Angeli or Kenny Minchie? It was the Tennessee State game at this point, wasn't it? I think the benefit of Sam Hartman is the ability to lead. I I, I don't, I I think that is the biggest attribute that he is, that, that I would hope that he's passed off to these quarterbacks is the ability to be calm under duress. Because I think that's the biggest thing that Sam Hartman is. Don't get me wrong. He's a a very talented quarterback. But what he means to Notre Dame and this offense is his calmness and his presence that he brings. And everyone, when people are around Sam Hartman, they don't don't get more nervous or more, you know, like like a let their emotions get to him. They, they, Sam Hartman is the, the kind of relief, I guess, is what I'm saying. He is, he's the, when, when they walk up to Sam Hartman, they actually feel more calm. And I think that's the thing that you'd have to learn most from, from him if you're a young quarterback is being able to stay calm because you're a direct reflection of the entire offense. If you're in panic, then everyone else is going to panic around you. Yeah, I completely agree. He's got that Joe Cool mentality. Like he, you don't see his pulse rate, you know, go up or his blood pressure one way or the other he does remain pretty calm you know with in very very few you know times that has not happened so I agree but I think that the things that he was talking about being in the film room being in that study room sort of learning how to be a quarterback the stuff that we don't get to see I think that that's got to have um, you know a good impact on those young guys as well to kind of put them ahead of the curve in terms of here's what you need to be doing next year when you're either the guy or you're competing to be the guy. I think that that is really important. Mr. 2.0 says Spencer Rattler could be an option. And I'm sorry, Mr. 2.0, because I've got to agree with Michael Johnson. Hard pass on Spencer Rattler. <laughs> yeah. The thing, about Sp- the, the thing about Spencer Rattler uh is he's just he's just so inconsistent he's got all of the arm talent and you know quarterback talent in the world but it's it's just a matter of consistently playing and that's the thing is like one game one game you might think he's like the Heisman lead runner right like you're like wow who is this guy and then the next game you're like who is this guy he's throwing three interceptions in the first half you know it's just it's a complete 180 between games with Spencer Rattler and I just don't think that his inconsistency in the he, he wants to really air the ball out and throw mm-hmm. it. And I don't think that's what Notre Dame's offense wants to do, especially under Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Things have not gone well for South Carolina this year. The way they closed their season last year and what we saw of them in the Gator Bowl, I think that there were some not really high expectations, but more expectations than what Shane Beamer and, and Spencer Rattler and that company or that crew have shown down there uh, this year in Columbia. So – 
Joe said he was overrated out of high school. That's what hurt him. And that could very well be true, just the way it it panned out. I mean, when you look at the fact that you had Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams together at Oklahoma just a couple of years ago and uh, the different paths their careers have taken since then, is it, it has obviously worked out a heck of a lot better for Caleb Williams. Joe asked if uh, Hartman goes into coaching in the NFL. Doesn't pan out. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, really, really sharp guy and could see it, could see it happening. You know, maybe that's something that uh, we can talk to him about the next opportunity that we get. I think every player that loves football and can't make it work in the NFL is especially a quarterback, right? Because they are such a great offensive mind and they, they know how to analyze defenses and stuff like that. That's like, it's like Tommy Reese, right? Like Tommy Reese was a very solid above average college quarterback and it, things just didn't pan out for him. And he's, he's turned into, you know, his love of the game has now transferred into being an offensive coordinator um, and being a play caller. So I wouldn't be surprised, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he just goes and, you know, catch go, goes fishing for a lot of time too. You know, that seems like, seems like a real outdoorsy type of guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, <laughs> that's true. If football's done, if he's just, you know, I'm going to go fishing for here for a couple of years or just yep. chill out. You know what I mean? He's done this college football thing for like six or seven years now. So sign stealing is obviously uh, you may have heard it's been a thing this week. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh it's my favorite. I bring it up every day. To all. I get new TikToks every day and tweets to send to all my Michigan friends, and I love it. I can't. I'm never going to get tired of it. Do you work with any Michigan fans or just uh, just your friends because you guys went to school together? Yeah, just my Michigan. friends because we went to school. All the people around me right now are Ohio State people. That's what I figured, but that's that's but kind of I, a shame I, that you're not around more of them. To this guy them that uh, I sit next to at work, similar age, he might be like a year, maybe two older than me. He's a big Ohio State fan. He, he, we were talking to him. He's randomly like, yeah, I don't think Michigan deserves to be on all the heat that they're in right now. I, I honestly really? don't see it as a big deal. And I was like, wow, where, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> he said he thinks it's a, a, a personal, a, it's an agenda against Harbaugh at the end of the day. There's there's something against Harbaugh and the, and the NCAA is, is fed up with Harbaugh. Before we get into the sign stealing, Brent Smith, and I was going to mention – Riley Leonard. What are your thoughts on Riley Leonard? I have my own. I'm curious what yours are before I give mine. Um, Riley Leonard is a poor man's Tim Tebow at the end of the day. And I just don't think he adds enough in the passing game to, to run an offense at Notre Dame. Those are literally like, did you read my mind? Because that's like, he's a little bit better passer than Tim Tebow, but he's, he relies predominantly on his legs. As I know you pointed out in the lead up to that Duke game, he's not a guy who really, you know, I, I don't think that he is on top of, you know, like the progressions in terms of everything that goes into a passing game. I think it's one or two quick reads. And then if it's not, you know, it's either get it out in, in one of those reads or try to go and run when you can. And I, I'm just... He's a really good athlete. I'm surprised he was being talked about the way he was in terms of the NFL early in the season when things were going well for Duke. But that's, you know, again, like he's got a better throwing motion than Tebow. He's not a direct, you know, like Tebow carbon copy. But I, I what you said, a poor man's 
Tim T or, you know, like a different version of Tim Tebow. I think that's what it is. I just don't think he is going to be that great a passer at the next level. I think he is more of a runner than he is a passer of the football. Yeah. And Mike brings Mike, Mike Hugh, Mike Howe brings up a, a point of, you know, he's, he's a first round grade. I, you know, I don't <laughs> Duke for some reason gets a lot of love at the quarterback position and, Daniel would you, Jones. I was going to say, would you want Daniel Jones as your quarterback? That's right what I now, mean, and I don't think later? he's. I don't no. think he's as good as Daniel Jones. Either. I don't either. And so it's either. like it, you see what Daniel Jones does for that Giants offense. I just don't see how Leonard's game translates any better, and I, I just think he's he's the same at best, and more than likely worse than yeah. than. I mean, look, Daniel Jones. Justin Fields was. <laughs> Justin Fields had a high first round grade. Look at where he went in the draft and look at where Justin Fields is. Is he any better right now than he was three years ago when he was a rookie? Uh, maybe, maybe moderately. So much of the, uh, of the quarterbacks, especially their, their evaluations have to do with even more so than their own talent. It also has to do with who else is available at the position, I think, in any given year. And he's obviously got measurables. You know, he's got a big body and all that kind of stuff. He's got more measurables than a guy like Sam Hartman. But I just I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. I agree. I think I think Daniel Jones is uh, was a better quarterback coming out of Duke than Riley Leonard is right now. And I just I, I don't I don't see Riley Leonard turning into a productive NFL quarterback. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Riley Leonard just doesn't have Mike, anything. Mike says Justin is a lot better now, but is but is he a franchise NFL quarterback three years later? By now, with what you invested in him at the top of the draft, he should be taking your team to the playoffs, or at the very least, like if you don't have a defense, he should be lighting the scoreboard up for thirty-five points a game. But a Division two guy who you know like wasn't even drafted had a better start last year than than Justin Fields has had in the last two years. Yeah, <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> That's okay. Let's go to the sign stealing again. It was a big thing this week. So I asked Marcus Freeman on the subject of sign stealing today, how often they change their signs. We do it every, you know, I would say a couple times a year. And the, the reality is, is that you have to not only change your signals, but also mix up who's live and who's not. And so um, I feel like we've done a good job. And that goes back to my time as a coordinator. I started when I first became a coordinator here at Notre Dame as the defense coordinator. Um, I was doing signals, right? And I did that at Cincinnati. And then when I got here, you realize how often you're on TV and, and you have to change up who's signaling, who's live and, and have a good system. And so... I, we've, we, we do a lot of uh, really a self, you know, self-scouting in terms of 
how often somebody's live, what signals are we using, do we have multiple signals to, to give the same um, call to the offense or defense. And so it, 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 it changes often, but there's also change not only in your signals, but who's live and what they're signaling. Who's live, what they're saying. That was interesting hearing him talk about, you know, I used to do it, but then I realized I'm going to be on TV a whole lot more at Notre Dame when he was the defensive coordinator. So uh, he wasn't, he's he's not calling him, or, you know, he wasn't calling him after that. What did you think of that, Jess? Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, and it, it's good self-recognition that, you know, he can no longer be the play caller when all of the, eye, like the cameras aren't, you know, down the line on the, fifth string quarterback who's signaling in the plays uh, or, or, you know, the, the, the fifth string, you know, linebacker who's singling signaling in the plays to the defense. So I think that's a really good proactive, you know, way to think about it. Um, and and the, the, what he brought up of who's live and who's not, that's what I, that's what we did when we were in school, when I was in college, we had three to four guys all with the same, you know, looked like they were giving in signals and only one guy was hot. And so, and it alternated, sometimes who was hot during uh, like even if it might be possession to possession who's hot it wouldn't even be like you know game by game who's hot it was literally we, we might switch it every possession you know depending on what we were told but that that's how we always did it is, is someone was always hot and it wasn't always the same person who was hot yeah I think that's kind of got to be the key to it isn't it when you just have the multiple guys and only the quarterback or whoever knows who the hot guy is. So you've got different, you know, different guys standing next to each other. And we've seen Notre Dame do that before with the different colored hats and all that different stuff. And, you know, I think it was uh, what the South Carolina game last year where like they were, remember like they were changing like the different colored smocks from possession to possession, trying to, you know, like throw Clemson off because Clemson has uh, kind of a, a history with sign stealing going back to the Brent Venable days and, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I just, I, I, I think that you uh, have to be really vigilant the way, you know, he's, he's talking about there and the way you're doing it. And you can't, yeah, I, I just don't think you can become complacent when it comes to your signs and in the process that you have. Well, especially after, you know, today. now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone, I think everyone is probably, you know, uh, doing a little self-scouting with their, uh, with their signs and that kind of stuff right now. So I also, uh, you know, kind of speaking of that about, you know, like you ever in the course of a game feel like, Hey, maybe these guys are onto us. What do we do now? I assume every opponent we go against studies our signals. Um, we'll have an idea of what our signals are. And so, um, there's been games over my career that I felt like the opposing team has maybe had our signals and, you know, we're calling things out. So you have to go to the sideline and adjust. But what you can't do is confuse your players. And that's always the, yeah, exactly. the double-edged sword is that, okay, we want to make sure we're not just telling an opponent what we're doing, but we also want to make sure our guys have clarity in what they're doing. So, um, yes, we've changed signals within a game if we felt like a team had our signals. Um, but two, we have to, to be really cautious on making sure our players are very clear on um, who's live and what the signals are. Because I've seen that, too, is that somebody gets confused on who's the live signaler and um, he doesn't get the right signal. And that can be ca catastrophic to the team. Do you ever have that come up 
where uh, where maybe uh, somebody forgot who the live guy was and, and you're running <laughs> something other than what you're supposed to be running? I think that's definitely happened before when our, our offense would, would do something like that. But, you know, to me, the, the thing you – if you're worried about sign stealing, who you have to rely on the most are the players because they're the ones who see and hear everything on the field. Like when teams know signs are coming, they're very audible about it. They're very, They're communicating with each other. So – you have to rely on your players to be able to, you know, relay back to you what they're hearing and seeing on the field, you know, especially in those scan situations, you know, where the offense might look over the defense adjusts. And then, you know, the offense might call out something based off the defensive adjustment. Then you kind of have an idea. Okay. They, they know a little bit what's going on. And so at that, that's the point where you might have to go over and change things. But Marcus Freeman also brings up a a good point. And I was in a group chat today with some friends and and one guy, He's always the devil's advocate, right? Like he's always the, the the guy that's always kind of disagreeing with everyone. He's like, well, why don't teams just change their signs if they're so worried about it? And Marcus Green brings up the point of it leads to a lot of confusion because you don't – middle of the game every week, like you get into a rhythm into, of your signal calling and guys have a comfortability of knowing what each signal means and how those are relayed and everything. And so when you just start ripping it apart and changing it, it can throw off the rhythm of the offense. And that's when you might see pre-snap penalties – that's when you might see misalignments. It's just really not worth getting into in the middle of the game because you can overwhelm your players, right? And they just need to focus on what you've practiced throughout the week, the game plan. And so my part of it is, unless they just know every play that's coming back to back to back, you just kind of have to live with it during that game because, again, you'll just create more chaos and confusion if you try to to change it immediately in game. But again, I I think that there's value – in just having the decoy signalers at the same time. Yeah, that was, a, we, we would have, again, like up. three guys going and, and one guy, two of them are just yeah. always decoying and, and one's hot. And I, I just think that's the best thing is you just change up who's hot. So I was listening, I was watching an interview with Nick Saban with Pat McAfee on ESPN today. And Saban said they should just put the earpiece in the quarterback's helmet like they do in the NFL. What, what do you think about that? I think at least, and I saw somebody else say it, I think at the FBS level, Mr. 2.0, FBS level, I, I think it makes total sense. There's enough money in it that you should be able to do it at the FBS level, even if you can't do it at FCS and D2 and below. It's funny. I, I saw someone today say, you know, what's it matter? You know, these games at the end of the day don't mean anything. That's just not true. Now there's so much money on these games. They don't and mean anything. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that is the most just stupid thing. I, like, yeah. Like at the end of the day, these college games are not as important as what people make them out to be. And it's like, no, that's not the case because there's lots of money riding on them between, you know, viewership and, you know, depending on what network it's on. And then obviously the gambling side of it, right? Like there's always things that matter. So to me, I just don't understand why the NCAA is so archaic. You know, if you put a mic in there, there's literally like there's there's no way they can get your signals. Right. Because it's going straight to your quarterback's ear. Right. And he's just telling them, you know, whatever it means. Or he's just shouting out the usual, you know, like Omaha hot route. Like, you know, like no one. That's that's fine. That's that's no different. And to me, this is the whole reason why the pitch com happened, because the Astros were cheating. And instead of relaying signals and they just do it all by, you know, that's that's the MLB equivalent to, to what the NFL does is the pitch comment. So if you if you are worried about sign stealing, you think it's a big issue, just put use some sort of electronic communications. With all the money that is changing hands with all these TV contracts, 
all all the FBS conferences have some kind of TV deal, you know, like what even you know the the Mac in these smaller conferences, as we've talked about before, there is a football game being played on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and Friday in the middle of the week from now until the end of November. And it's there was that that run of we're in the middle of this run of 54 consecutive days where there is a football game of some kind every day. And those games are being played in the middle of the week because they're on TV. And if they're on TV, there's TV money that is being paid to these conferences. You can't tell me there's not enough money to go out and spend a couple hundred dollars, you know, for what it's literally, you know, maybe a couple thousand at the most. You can't tell me that the schools can't afford to have, you know, an earpiece in the quarterback's helmet and, you know, like a whatever headset communication for the coaches to talk to them. There's absolutely no reason in 2023 why they shouldn't be able to do this when the NFL has been doing it for, what, at least a couple of decades now at this point. 